Hey guys, this is Mike with Sharing in the Disruption podcast, and I'm really excited to be starting this up. Um, hope to bring a lot of value to you, and we're going to be talking about how uh, technology is advancing and the effect it can have on you, your family, your finances, and even what it means to be human. Enjoy. Drop it. Hey guys, uh, this is a quick uh, prelude to this uh, podcast, and I wanted to go in and set uh, the record straight that uh, this podcast was released, uh, or it was recorded a few days ago, and a few things have changed since then. Now, it was recorded before the uh, the kind of we had this whole large swath and tidal wave of IPOs come out. Uh, since then, the Snowflake IPO about two days ago, the uh, the JFrog IPO is another tech IPO. The next day there was Sumo Logic, and then today there was uh, American Well, uh, a telemedicine IPO, and then. Unity is still about to come out today, uh, which is a augmented reality and uh, video game IPO. So there's been a little bit that's changed. Also, a company I discuss in the podcast, Arm Chips, they've been bought out by NVIDIA. Um, it hasn't been definitely sealed yet. Uh, like the deal hasn't definitely closed yet, but uh, it looks like that's going to happen. So I just wanted to, um, you know, uh, put a few things in context. And I hope you enjoy the podcast. Enjoy. Hey guys, this is another episode of Gas Station Economics, my short segment as part of Sharing in the Disruption podcast. And right now, I wanted to go over the IPO calendar for this year, which is insane. Um, When the coronavirus hit, like earlier in this year, actually, uh, there was a lot of companies talking about going public and everything got dampened quite a bit with um, with the coronavirus. And a lot of companies, it was like, oh, are they even gonna go public? now at all or are they going to go public way later and now as uh, some of this is starting to get behind us it kind of started with this rush of companies called SPACs Um, you had a lot of like earlier this year you had a lot of these reverse mergers a SPAC is kind of a complicated uh, I don't know if it's newer but it's definitely not been utilized on the scale very much and I've seen it used a lot lately in the EV space the electric vehicle space and one of the first big ones that came on my radar was this company I don't have a lot of faith in but it's called Nikola Motors um, I made a nice little profit off of it you know, understanding the hype uh, watching it ride from I think it was 30 to 80 <laughs> I sold once I um, completely realized how ridiculous 
it was being valued at $30 billion uh, without having produced a thing. But um, a SPAC stands for, um, oh my gosh, uh, it's, it's a special purpose acquisition company. And it's kind of like, my understanding of it is somebody that has some money makes a blank check company. Uh, it, it usually says like something, something acquisition or um, it's, it's just a blank company. Uh, really with the purpose of that's going to acquire another company and then be like a reverse merger to where the company it acquires becomes the dominant company. Um, so Nikola Motors was acquired by, uh, by some other uh, blank check company and then they become Nikola um, without having to undergo the full IPO process which is involves banks underwriting uh, going public on the, the stock market and they kind of it's it almost seems like a direct listing to me uh, direct listing just where a company directly lists on the stock market uh, but it's it's actually more of like a reverse merger into a, a blank company that's uh, like the the host company if you will uh, takes on the parasite and the parasite takes over the host uh, if that's how you want to envision it but um so so nicola um and a lot of these companies seem to spike really fast once people and people buy into the company actually the first one i bought this year was uh vivint smart home actually they were i think they were acquired through a spec uh DraftKings, i think was also a spec and uh, I bought Vivint actually as the blank check. Co- I bought the blank check company. And uh, so when it converted to Vivint, it actually showed that I had zero shares of Vivint, but I had like 20% profit or something crazy. It's really weird. It's almost like I didn't own the company, but I do. Uh, or own portion of Vivint because I owned the company that uh, bought Vivint in a reverse merger. But uh, so let's see. I mean, these these companies are very volatile, and so there was Nikola spiked and it's dropped and it's gone back up because of a, a GM deal. And there's just been a lot of there was like a um, a lot of different EV companies and some of these. Um, it seems to be popular among the EV companies, but, uh, I don't, I don't think the SPACs are going to hold much value, but, um, it looks like, I mean, there's a lot of well-known investors getting into buying these blank check, uh, uh, what's the, one of the guys from Facebook, Palaoptia, um, he has a couple SPACs. I think uh, Virgin, Gal- Virgin Galactic was uh, was done. That deal was done through a SPAC as well. So, I mean, I think I don't think that really dictates whether a company is going to be successful. But I think a lot of these more successful companies usually go through the traditional IPO process or maybe a direct listing. I think some of the more questionable companies, it just seems go through the SPAC process because they don't have to get audited as much 
Um, I don't know how well a Nikola would have held up in that intense auditing. All right, so I've got a list of some of the new IPOs that are coming out. These are not all of the IPOs because these are ones I'm interested in and that I think uh, there's a lot of acquisition companies. There's a lot of uh, random stuff. And so I'll break it down. The things I'm most interested in are in the tech, software, med tech, education tech, um, semiconductor, a lot of those different kind of areas. And so these are diverse, but they're also more, they're, they're mostly technology based, which is, uh, more what my podcast focuses around. So some of these I have not delved into a ton and some of these I have looked into a lot. Uh, but these are things that are on my radar and I can delve into in future episodes. Uh, I'm just, these, this is just a list I compiled onto my phone. I got these off. If you want to look at a pretty comprehensive list yourself, go to market watch IPOs and you can filter based off of things that have just recently IPO'd things that are coming up, like kind of a whole calendar of when they're being released. It'll tell you, Oh, what came out today? Um, so let me get into it is the first one I have is solar max. Uh, the only thing I really know about this one is a solar company. Uh, I just want to look into it because I'm interested in the solar space. Uh, things I'll be looking at is do they have recurring revenue? If it's just making panels, if it's just construction of solar farms, I'm not as interested in it just because I want something that has some serious growth potential. Solar panels are more of a commodity. You're, it's very hard to differentiate your solar panels from the other solar panel provider. A lot of solar farms are gonna go with the cheapest. Um, they're gonna, it's gonna be like a bidding process. They may do a whole combination based off of what's available in stock or what's the cheapest um, within reason or t you know they'll factor in like tariffs and a lot of stuff like that. I've worked on solar farms before so I understand you know you don't use all the solar, solar panels, you use what you can get. And so there's really not a lot of product differentiation. The only areas, maybe in like space, like uh, the space industry and areas where you're very uh, space constrained, would you be trying to get panels that are very energy dense? And a lot of this stuff is publicly known information. Nobody's made like a huge breakthrough. You get, you know, 20% is like a pretty good solar panel efficiency wise. So... Um, the areas where the highest growth are is more in the inverters, microinverters, software, um, battery spaces. Those are areas I'm interested in. So SolarMax, if, if SolarMax has a lot to do with that, I'll look into them and maybe I'll be interested in them. Uh, Palantir, this is a little, uh, iffy one for me because, uh, I've heard some, uh, questionable things about them as far as like. I like to be invested in certain areas and uh, I've, I've heard of some privacy and uh, ethical concerns with them and you know I don't want to invest in a company just to make a cheap buck uh, but I'll, I'll look into them they I mean uh, Peter Thiel runs that company 
and he does a lot of work for the CIA. Uh, government is a very consistent income stream. Uh, they, I heard they do have a heavy reliance on like a few vendors. Like they don't, I don't think they make, they're even making like a killing. Uh, and it sounds like they're heavily concentrated. Like I'm at least like 30% and maybe like one contractor, like the CIA or something. So if they lost a deal that could heavily affect their bottom line. So there's, there's a lot of things. He used to work for Facebook. He has a lot of connections. Um, but I'll, I'll be looking at that company. Uh, Unity Software, I think they're a game developer. And I believe, uh, maybe I'm speaking a little out of my wheelhouse, I think I've heard their name in connection to AR, Augmented Reality, which is definitely something that gets my blood jiggling or whatever. <laughs> like, uh, definitely excited by anything AR. But a lot of AR things, uh, you know, are speculative. There's not a lot of solid technology out there for AR. I think Apple's probably the best play right now on augmented reality. But um, definitely going to be looking at Unity Software. Gaming industry is super hot right now. So I'm going to check them out. Airbnb is one of the more, ones I'm more excited about. Uh, I think their, their price, they were going for a lot of money. I think it was like $50 billion pre-COVID. And... I think their expectations got like they're they're being valued a lot lower. I think going into this, um, there's question as to whether they were going to IPO at all or do a direct listing, and they've gotten hit pretty hard by COVID. Uh, as have the whole hospitality industry, hotels, everything like that. But what I see is a lot of tailwinds. I think uh, Airbnb can cut their costs very quickly, whereas a lot of these hotels are reliant on business travel and people traveling airplanes and all this stuff whereas airbnb can pivot really quickly they it's like uber everybody's like oh uber's gonna lose a lot of money but i mean they're independent contractors they can immediately like take people offline to cut their costs and like they can shrink down real fast and airbnb is not like they're paying as it's used um airbnb can cut their costs really quickly and go down to a skeleton crew and um i mean there's definitely some concerns with some things in their business model but i think there will be big tailwinds coming out of covid from this i think the the hotels and a lot of the travel industry have just been beaten down and airbnb is ready to strike and i think they're going to come back bigger stronger than ever and i think now is the perfect time to get in I'm hoping that when they IPO, other people don't think the same thing and it doesn't just skyrocket. Uh, I'm sure that's what's going to happen. But, uh, so it may be worth waiting or, I mean, unless you can get in early, which is, is hard. Um, but uh, they're probably going to spike like parabolic, you know, after it happens. So um, if you can get in, I would probably get in immediately after IPO. Uh, it's going to go up. Don't keep chasing that gain and it'll probably crash. And then you'll have time to pick up more. But Airbnb, I think is a really good thing to have. Uh, desktop metal is one of the, um, most talked about 3d printing companies coming out. Uh, I mean, there's 3d printing. I haven't talked about that a lot, but there's some 3d printing companies I have invested in. Um, I think that's a 
very interesting space, especially as we look to localize production of a lot of things and then also reduce waste, produce only what we need, be able to make our own parts. Like I think the biggest thing that came out of COVID was realizing, oh shit, we can't even make Q-tips or we can't cotton swabs or uh, basic parts for things. And so I think the future will be you having a 3D printer next to your computer, just like, um, just like you have a normal Canon printer or whatever, HP, um, and you will just print, order something on Amazon, and you will print it out right there. Um, if, as long as it's something you can do that with, and I, I think that's the future, um, is being able to just instantly, you know, you'll you'll be paying for the the design uh but you won't have to pay for the shipping and everything you'll just print it right out so i think that's the future whether this company will be a big part of it who knows uh luminar i can't recall what that company is sounds like something to do with light so maybe it's a fiber optic uh i'm not even gonna guess uh they're a company coming out uh repay holdings just came out I think Luminar and Repay may already be public. I remember looking at them. Snowflake its one of those companies harder to understand, but I think it's a multi-cloud kind of company, like maybe similar to Rackspace. I think what they do is make a technology that allows you to go through them as a mediator and move all your content between like Amazon, Amazon Web Services, Google Cloud, Microsoft Azure, whoever else. Uh, so they have been growing like crazy. So it sounds like they have a lot of potential, but I think a lot of people know that too. So I think it's highly anticipated. So you might want to let that blow over for a little while before you jump in and take a bite. Ant, Ant, I think is one of the biggest uh, valued companies. I, I want to say it's like one of the biggest IPOs ever or something crazy. Uh, Ant Financial has to do with Alibaba. I think it's the financial arm of Alibaba. I think that's a while before that comes out, but um, they're, I think they're the fintech element of Alibaba, which is like, you know, pretty bit highly used financial element uh, of cashless payments and all that sort of thing in China. So I'm always big on fintech. I think the banks are going to be more of a commodity and struggle in the future. But fintech, I think, it's really, uh, unless, you know, some of these banks are really getting into fintech. And they're trying. They're definitely trying. Uh, I like Visa more than MasterCard because they bought Plaid, which gets interactions when people do cashless, I mean, or um, uh, no contact payments. Uh, so Ant Financial sounds interesting. Arm Chips. Uh, I think they were in talks to maybe get bought by uh, NVIDIA, which I think Apple wants to block because Apple uses ARM chips right now. Uh, They're semiconductor chip maker. Um, Apple's trying to bring more of their stuff in-house, and I know they probably don't... Like, they just went off of... uh, They switched out... uh, Apple switched out um, their Intel chips with... Taiwan Semiconductor and I mean I don't know what that has to do with uh, but uh, 
the ARM chips, uh, I'm sure Apple doesn't want. NVIDIA's would have a lot of pull and be able to take as much of a cut as they can. And with Apple's experience with Qualcomm, I'm sure, I think they're trying to block that somehow. But uh, NVIDIA might buy them, uh, but I think they're trying to go public. There's a company called Asana. There's a company called Sumo Logic. Uh, don't know much on these, so I'd have to do some research. And Rackspace was an IPO that I got in on. It actually was already public at one point, and it was taken private by another company, um, like a private equity firm, and then it, they re-released it. Um, it used to be a cloud provider, Rackspace did. Um, and But with the rise of Amazon... Uh, web services becoming so dominant. I think they were really struggling in that space. And with, uh, you know, the the four, like the big tech companies, really dominating cloud, I think they have pivoted to multi-cloud, which is more, I, I could be wrong, but more what Snowflake does. Um, so they, they uh, help you manage between clouds. And big commerce interesting to me uh i like their bigger competitor much better which is shopify uh big commerce is a version of shopify out of australia where shopify is out of our friendly neighbors to the north canada and big commerce has grown very fast but very small market share compared to shopify but um if you're interested in that space i believe i used to be more like a winner take all kind of mentality like, okay, I'm going to pick the, the full winner. But I think there's really a space for multiple people to win. Um, maybe not. I mean, maybe it's just divided into, like, you know, everybody thought Amazon was just going to take over everything. Shopify carved out a space where, you know, people were wanted to have more of a relationship with their customers. And uh, Amazon didn't really allow that. And they were taking too big of a cut. And where you have that greed... You know, I think Amazon missed their chance to really mend those relationships. They got greedy, and Shopify was able to step in and offer a helping hand. Um, now, I think there's kind of this, you know, Shopify's motto, motto is arming the rebels. Um, so kind of the anti-Amazon. But whether there's a space for someone to be the anti-anti-Amazon or the anti-Shopify, I mean... I think that would probably depend on how much Shopify gets into. If Shopify can offer, like, Shopify as, like, Shopify five years ago, I think big commerce could compete pretty well against. But Shopify, as they get into fulfillment and maybe shipping and being able to offer all these services, suddenly companies like big commerce, like Wix, like... GoDaddy that are all trying to play in this space, WordPress, suddenly they're going to have these clients and big commerce has some of the best clients that are not on Shopify. Um, but as Shopify keeps increasing their incentives, unless Shopify has a big misstep and pisses people off or um, their costs are too high or, I mean, I, I don't know. I don't, I have more faith in Shopify, but um, I like to have a little backup in the next player. It's kind of like what, what I've evolved. Um, the, I used to 
be like all in on Amazon as far as you know the the big hunk of commerce goes and now I'm kind of like okay maybe I should put some money in Walmart just in case something I, I think something just happened with Amazon um, with some some packages that had some of their Amazon basics I think they had some issues with some of them uh, I have to do some more <laughs> research so I won't repeat what the issues were but uh, I was seeing something in the news today about that so if Amazon has a big, big misstep, their stock could plummet and Walmart could get, gain some of that market share. So, you know, maybe you kind of have yourself hedged a little bit. Like, I think Amazon's going to be the dominant player, but maybe you hedge yourself a little bit with the Walmart, especially th- with them offering some similar services now. So, uh, I think a lot of these are just really interesting plays. Um, there is some existing companies that are getting into a few interesting things. Um, and they're not IPOs, but I think as far as uh, some potential growth goes, Amazon getting in, like they just got licensed to fly drones without a pilot, which is pretty big deal because before the drones had to have a pilot within that could see within sight. Uh, so... Uh, a, a big drone play could now be Amazon, and then I think they're really going to shake things up in healthcare. Apple is now verticalizing their their chip, uh, their the chips they use, and they're getting into making their own chips. And they've also partnered with Taiwan Semiconductor. So, you know, Taiwan Semiconductor uh, booting out Intel, uh, really kind of putting the U.S. behind now in chips, uh, <laughs> which. Maybe a little, maybe a little scary that uh, we can't seem to uh, do semiconductors very well anymore. But uh, I hope you guys enjoyed this stuff. Uh, actually, one more is uh, one more that's on my radar that is already a stock is called Nanox, and I actually got that off uh, Motley Fool uh, podcast. They have a segment on healthcare stocks, and this is a med tech play, and it sounds super interesting. Uh, very speculative, very, very small right now, but traditional x-ray machines are very expensive, talking like a million dollars, and it's very, uh, you have to have all these certifications, all this kind of stuff, lots of radiation, and so uh, big equipment, the upfront costs for providers makes it hard to be available in poor countries and poor areas. And suddenly they've come out with this machine that you sit on like a cot and a ring rotates over you. So it's like the machine goes over you and uh, it costs as little as, I think they said $10,000. And so if you could get this machine for $10,000 and I think you commit to, you commit to a certain amount to using this and they get a percentage off each scan so it's a recurring revenue uh you don't have this huge they don't like medical providers wouldn't have this huge upfront cost the company gets guaranteed all these all this money for a certain amount of time and i think they lock it in for a period of time and you have to perform a certain amount of scans per month i believe to get to keep this machine so they're pretty much locking in like that they're going to to have this it's kind of like the razor blades 
and a razor and razor blade model where you know you actually sell what usually was the higher end item up front and then you make all your money on a recurring revenue business model and so i think that could revolutionize like it'll make a lot of money it's kind of win-win make a lot of money and give people a lot more access to uh x-rays and getting proper health care so I like to be in cutting edge companies that make me feel good about what I'm investing. And some of these companies fit that bill. Uh, some of them not so much. So, uh, you know, I hope you got some cool ideas from this and, uh, you know, thanks for listening to my, uh, gas station economics podcast. And, you know, I'll be back either on the road or in the studio next time. Thanks. Hey guys, if you enjoyed this podcast, uh, please share it and uh, you know send your send it to your mates on Facebook, on Instagram, on, on any platforms you use, and uh, just get the word out. Um, I I'm trying to entertain you guys and really give you some good content to make um, hopefully some smart financial decisions or uh, just be entertained and learn something. So uh, yeah. Thanks for uh, thanks for tuning in, and uh, I look forward to the next podcast episode.